Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate that. Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, the very last chapter of the Gospel of John. And uh, while we're turning to John 21, we'll dismiss all the children up through age 8. All the children, if you'd like to go to Children's Church, you don't have to, of course. You're welcome to stay with your family. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, congregation, for all the good singing and music today. One announcement I uh, need to make. If you, we had evangelist Tim Thompson here with us recently, and some of you asked for a copy of the CDs, the sermons. And if you ask for a copy of those, uh, we appreciate all the work that Ethan has done to make those available. And they are on top of the wall around the PA booth there. If you ask for a copy, if you did not ask for a copy and you'd like a copy, if you'll let us know, we'll get you a copy made. But uh, the, I believe they have made enough for those of you who have requested one up to this time. You've got your Bible open to John chapter 21. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. This is one of those fish stories in the Bible we're going to read. I hear you chuckling, and I know why, because usually when we mention fish stories, we are prone to exaggerate sometimes. Is that not true? But when we open up our Bibles, whether it's the story of Jonah in the Old Testament or the stories in the Gospels, God's fish stories are never exaggerated. Amen? This is one of those miracles that Steve reminded us of, but this one is one of those miracles that Jesus performed after his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's read about it in the first 14 verses of John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee. And then there were the two sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And then Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, you know how hard it was for them to say that little two-letter word? No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it, that's the net, for the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. And that doesn't mean what we think of as naked. It meant he just took his outer garment off and so forth. 
and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were about 200 cubics or about 300 feet, 100 yards, the length of a football field. And they came, verse 8, dragging the net with fish. And as and soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was the net was not the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of his disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. If we wanted to turn a page in your Bible, you could go to Acts chapter 1. In the first three verses of Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that after his passion or after his death, burial, and resurrection, for a period of 40 days, Jesus showed himself or manifested himself with many infallible proofs that he was alive. Amen. And this is just one account of one of his appearances during those 40 days. As a matter of fact, verse 14 tells us that this is the third time that he showed himself to a group of the apostles all at one time. Now the word show there is important. Verse 1, for example, it says, After these things Jesus showed himself. And it actually means to be manifested. It, it, you know, we say, well, he showed himself physically, and, and that's true, but, but he, ma- he he's not only manifesting the fact that he's alive physically, but he's manifesting his power and his presence and his protection and his provision and his glory. And, and, and it, it means much more than just the, the fact that he was there physically and so forth. He manifests himself. And uh, and I thought about this question this week, and Steve reminded me of it when he, he made a statement about, has Jesus worked miracles in your life? What has God done for you? And I thought about this this week, how, how has Jesus Christ manifested himself to me since I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior as a 14-year-old teenager? I challenge you with that question. Maybe you can think about it. Now, he's never manifested himself to me physically like these disciples, but has he ever made himself known to you? I mean, what what has Christ done for you in your life? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? What is it? How do I know Jesus? What do I know about him today? How has he revealed himself to me? Matter of fact, I, I, I I jotted this down. We have in this little fish story... First of all, before we get into the practical aspect of the disciples and what's in it for you and me, I've jotted this down. We have Jesus, our Lord and Master. I hope you can say that today. Jesus, our Lord and Master, manifested and magnified. Don't you like that? Not because I wrote it down, because it's true, amen. That's what we want, isn't it? 
We want Jesus, our Lord and Master, to be manifested and magnified and glory. All of it. We get so caught up again with what's in it for me? How will it profit me? And I'm just about ready to launch into that again. But first and foremost is what's in it for Jesus? Amen. And here's Jesus manifesting himself. And he's magnified and glorified. As a matter of fact, I chuckle when I read verse uh, verse uh, 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 12. It says that none of his disciples durst ask him. You know what that word durst means? And I almost hesitate to say this. It, it basically means the same thing as the word dare, to dare someone. And, and the, you know, the word dare, it's kind of got a bad kind of, uh, identity to it now and we don't like to do that but actually it's like the disciples who say i dare you to ask him who he is you know are you are you you a fool it means do you do you have enough nerve do you have enough nerve to ask this guy who he is i mean why because they knew who he was I mean, if you're not convinced after, uh, if, if you're not convinced after all this of who he is, I mean, do you really have, I dare you to ask him who he is. But the implication there is they didn't have to ask him. They knew who he was. He had manifested so long before this, amen. And they knew he was alive. And, and, and by not asking him, they're magnifying him and glorifying him. But what's in it for us? You know, if we had time, I'd love to take you to that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that we mentioned, like I am right now so often, but don't have the time or take the time to go read it. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means, inspirate means God breathed. Just like I'm up here talking right now, And when I speak, I'm breathing out. I'm breathing out words, and you're listening. What he said is, this is God speaking. This is God's Word. God breathed. All Scripture, give me a screen. And it's profitable. It'll benefit you. Now, the world the world to tell you it'll make you crazy and put you in the nut house. No, it won't. <laughs> no, religion will do that for you. But God's Word is profitable. What's it profitable for? Well, the verse before that says the Scripture will make you wise unto salvation. Now, you can read the Bible all day and go to hell. You can memorize Scripture and quote them word perfect and die and go to hell. Reading and studying the Bible will not save you. Now, don't throw a hymn book at me. But it'll sure make you wise on how to be saved. It'll point you to Jesus. Amen? Are you with me? So it'll profit you. If you're not saved, the Word of God will show you how to be saved. It'll profit you, he says there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, concerning doctrine. How do we know what to believe? Read your Bible. Reproof. You know, we all are crooked in some areas. We all need, we all need help. How do we, what do we look to to find out the areas we need help in? The Word of God. That's why some people don't like the Bible. Profitable for salvation, for for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. It shows us the areas we need help in. And for instruction in righteousness. How do I know what's right or wrong? What's holy and unholy? What's right and wrong? Well, the Word of God. It's our standard, right? That the man or woman of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, all Scripture is God-breathed and it can help us 
and profit us and benefit us. So we come to these 14 verses of John 21, which is just a tiny speck of all of God's Word. And I ask myself the question, then how can this particular portion of God's Word help me today and profit me and benefit me, okay? And I said all that to challenge you to get into the Word of God, amen, and get the Word of God into you because it ain't going to hurt you, amen. It'll just help you if you open your heart up to it. So how can the Word of God help me and profit me? This story that we have, this historical account of this miracle, which Jesus, what can I learn from it today? Number one, I can learn from this passage of God's Word that I need to learn. I can learn today or be reminded that I need to learn. In other words, now this is going to shock you, I don't know it all. Are you shocked? Now sometimes I think I do. Or may act like I do. Amen. Now I know what I know. And I believe what I know, amen. Now, ten times in John 21, you find the word disciple. And what's interesting, seven times it's found in these 14 verses. In half the verses that we just read, you find the word disciple. Look at verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his what? Disciples. Seven times in these 14 verses you find the word disciple or disciples, plural. And it means, now watch this, a pupil or a learner. We're in school. We sing a song Sunday night, Take Time to Be Holy. And one of the phrases in that song said that, uh, uh, that we are being fitted for service above. Did you know your whole Christian life down here is just, you're just in a training course. God's getting you ready for heaven and eternity if you're a believer. <laughs> we're, now, I don't, it's all, we don't know anything about it hardly, but we're going to serve God, rule and reign with Christ. We're going to serve God some, in some capacity for all eternity. God's just getting us ready for heaven, amen, down here, fitted for service above. And we're all still students, learners, pupils. We're all growing and maturing. And seven times in these 14 verses, we're reminded that we're disciples. And then notice in verse 5, he calls them. Now here's Jesus. Here are these grown men out there, professional fishermen. And it wasn't just a fun weekend. It was their livelihood. And he called them children. Children. Now, sometimes that word children, it comes from a word which means precious, dear ones. This one actually means, it means lads. Lads. And it's used sometimes in the connection of immature or growing up. So here's, he hollers out there and says, how you boys doing? How you lads doing? You got anything to eat? You got anything to take back to your family or, or to sell down to marketplace? And even in calling them children, he's reminding them, you still have a lot to learn, don't you? None of us have arrived yet. We're all still growing. So the truth is, if I can just be reminded, if I can just be reminded of that today, it'll help me and profit me. Amen? That I'm still learning. 
and growing. And it takes time to be holy. And God's just fitting us for service above one day. Need to learn. And in order to do that, I need a teachable spirit. And that leads me to my second point. Not only do I need a teachable spirit, but number two, I need a humble, sincere spirit or attitude. The Bible, God said, my word will profit you, but you've got to be willing to humble your heart and have a teachable spirit. If you rebel against the word of God, you just harden your heart, amen? I've got to have a humble, teachable, sincere spirit. And notice, even in their response, you know, they could have ignored Jesus. Because at this time, and I don't know why, they didn't know this was Jesus. They're about a hundred yards out in the water. It wasn't that far. And, and, and we know from other stories that Jesus, after his resurrection, the, the, we, we preached last Sunday on the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus concealed his identity. They didn't know who Jesus was for a while. So I don't know if they just didn't recognize him or he, he didn't. But they didn't know. They just... Uh, there were seven men on this little boat and they maybe there's a stranger over there. He hollers out there, Hey, uh, hey boys, <laughs> y'all catch anything? They eh, ignore him. Sorry, he's probably a carpenter or something. He don't know anything about fishing. We're too busy. They could have just, uh, you know what? It was very humbling for them to just say, no, we've basically been out here all night and, and uh, we hadn't gotten a thing. You know, to me, that reminds me that of just being open and honest and transparent with the Lord. Amen? Will you turn back with me for a moment to John chapter 7? And I want to show you a verse in the Bible, John chapter 7. Now, we're talking about how, how can we profit and benefit from the Word of God. All scriptures profitably will benefit this. Well, first of all, to be willing to acknowledge, hey, I, I need to grow, I need to learn. And number two, have a humble, teachable, sincere spirit. And just be honest with the Lord and come before Him, allowing the Holy Spirit to take His truth and work in my heart and life. I want to show you a verse that I have misquoted many times, unintentionally, of course. And, and, and I didn't realize it. Although what I said was true, it's not exactly what this verse is teaching. Look at John chapter 7 and verse 17. John 7 verse 17. If any man or woman, John seven seventeen, if any man or woman will do his will, that's God's will now, then he shall know of the doctrine whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself, Jesus said. And I've quoted that verse many times and unintentionally I've quoted wrong. I said the Bible says in John seven seventeen, if any man wills to know God's will, God will show it to him. Now that's true. That's, that's a true statement. If you really want to know, if you really desire to know God's word, God will have no problem the Holy Spirit can open it up to your understanding. Amen. Not that we'll understand it all this side of heaven. The question is, do I really want to know God? Are you with me? But you'll notice that's not... Now that's a true statement, but that's not what this verse says. This verse says, if any man will what? 
What? What? Do. You know there's a difference between knowing and doing? James said, don't just be hearers of the Word of God or learners, but be doers. Don't stop it just... I mean, that's wonderful. That's a noble to have a heart that really wants to learn and desire to learn more of God's Word. But don't just be a knower, but with the help of God, put it to practice and be a doer. And what John, what Jesus is saying there in John 7 is, if any man is willing to do. You know why some people have a hard time understanding the Bible? Because God knows they, 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 they wouldn't obey it if they knew it. And actually sometimes it's God. That's why Jesus, we were reminded this, Jesus taught in parables. Why? Because he was testing man's heart. Do you want to know the truth? Listen, God's not in the business of hiding his truth. But he's looking for a heart that's humbled and wants to know. And are you willing, are you willing to walk in God's truth and obey God's truth if I show it to you? Now, it's only God's grace. There's a human and divine working together and we make choices, we make decisions. And so we say, you know what? These fellas, even these hand-picked apostles needed to learn some things. And the test is, do, do you really want to know and are you willing to obey? You know what I do? I say, God... I tell you what, now I don't say it, but I think it sometimes. This is how we are human. God, show me your will, and I'll decide if I'll do it or not. Right? Come on. Because I want to see if your will is what I want. And if it's what I want, I'll do it. God said, doesn't work that way, bud. You come to the place where you are willing to do my will no matter what it is. Now that's a work of God's grace, isn't it? And then I'll show it to you. God's ways aren't our ways. Aren't you glad we have a God that loves us that much? Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? And that's what John seven seventeen is saying. And in that context, he's talking about, how do we, Jesus, how do we know what you're teaching us is true? And he said, it's, it's divine revelation. If you want to know the truth, if you're humble, you can know it, but the question, are you willing? You've got God's law and you're not willing to obey it. And it, well, you're not willing to obey it. It wouldn't matter what I told you, Jesus said. Wow. Now, Jesus can say that to somebody because he knows their heart. I can't look at people and say that sometimes. Go, I don't know. But Jesus could say that. He said, why waste my time revealing anything to you? Because I know your heart. You wouldn't obey it if I showed it to you. God, Jesus didn't have to be told anything about anybody. He knows us inside and out, doesn't he? Oh, I hope when he looks at us today, he says, you know what? I know that you realize you need to learn. And I also know that you have a humble, sincere spirit and your heart really wants to know, not just to know and, and, and knowledge puffeth up, but oh, to have out of love for me and love for fellow man to be able to do and put to practice what you know. Number three, these disciples needed an obedient spirit. Not only a learning spirit, but an obedient spirit. Notice Jesus said to them in verse... Uh, in verse, uh, he, he, he could have laughed at them, I guess, in verse 5. <laughs> My goodness. You got, I thought you guys were professional fishermen. Look what he said in verse 6. Cast the net 
on the right side of the ship. And you might find something over there. Is that what it says? No. Well, fellas, you've been out there all night. Just, just try it one more time. See what happens. Is that what he says? Cast on the right side of the ship. Now, in the Greek, what that means is vote conservative and not left. No, wait, that's not. <laughs> Good application. <clears throat> Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and here's his promise. Ye shall find. Did you notice, first of all, Jesus took the initiative to inquire, to get involved? Aren't you glad you have a Savior that loves you enough to... He's standing on the shore watching you. He's interested in your life and my life. Amen? Do you believe that today? And now He's given some instructions. Cast the net on the right side and I promise you if you'll follow my instructions, you shall find. Now... Can you imagine all the different, you know, just, you can go home and think, think of all the responses these seven guys could have had. Who does that stranger think he is? They didn't know that. I mean, I mean, we're to, let's go home. I can smell the bacon. Let's forget it. What is, who the guy thinking? He's just trying to, make, you know, they could have had all kinds of responses, couldn't they? And you know what? They just obeyed. And at this point, they didn't even know who it was. And I've asked myself even this week, what, why, what was it? That, was it the tone of his voice or did they, or did the guys look at each other and, and for a second and say, well, what, what's the harm? Let's, let's give it a shot. Let's see. And, and God didn't give us all the details, but he, they cast our four, verse six, and now the net had been empty, but now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fish. Wow. That's obedience, folks. You know, many times we read in the Bible or we feel God's calling us to do something or go a different direction or certain direction, all in line with the Word of God or get involved in a certain ministry and, and maybe it doesn't make sense to us. And you know what? God, God just wants you to launch out into the deep. Just take that step of faith. And if God's in it, his pro- he just wants us, you know, sometimes we try to reason with God and say, well, God, it, 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 you know, it, it, and, and we, we, we want to argue with God. And, and if God would just listen to me and, and God said, you know, just follow my instructions and you'll find out in the end, you disobey my instructions and bless your heart, you're going to have to reap the consequences. Now, folks, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that, do you? But it's been willing to, and here's another point real quick, a trusting spirit. Faith, trusting spirit. Now we don't have time, but we could go to Luke chapter 5. And there's another story sort of like this that had happened like two or three years earlier in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. There was a multitude of people there in Luke chapter 5, the first few verses, and, and Peter and the guys were out fishing. That, the, the, folk, it was like you going to work on Monday. This was their livelihood. 
and they had just come in from fishing. And, and, and this, by the way, this wasn't the first time they fished all night and caught nothing. In, in two, two or three years before, in Luke 5, they had fished all night, and it was just a bad night. They didn't catch a thing. And, 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 and they, they were there with their little ship, and they were washing their nets. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, would you thrust your boat out a little bit? And, 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 and Peter, Peter says, well, look, Jesus, I'm tired. I, I've been working all night. Borry somebody else's boat to stand on to teach. I, I, I'm, you know, I've got to get home. But he said, oh, sure. And he pushed the boat out a little bit, and Jesus stood up in the boat, and he talked to multitude on the shore. And then Jesus basically said, if I can paraphrase it, I tell you what, Peter, since you obeyed my instruction and you delayed your going home a little bit and let me use your boat, I want you to do something for him. Would you do one more thing for him? And Peter said, okay, Jesus, what's that? Launch out into the deep. Jesus, we're tired. We've been up all night. and I'll let you use my boat to teach from. But Well, I tell you what, you'll be happy you did. Launch on out there. Now cast that net. And you know what? It said they had so many fish out it, the net broke. That time the net broke. And you know what? Sometimes it's good for the net to break. God can keep a net from breaking. Or sometimes God may let the net break. You know why? Because there were other fishermen there and it gave them an opportunity to get involved and help the situation a little bit. Are you with me? And I want to ask you a question. Do, do, do you think Peter was glad he followed Jesus' instructions? He sure was, wasn't he? And it may be here two and a half, three years later in this incident, as they're out there, they may be thinking, you know what, I think something like this has happened before. <laughs> and John, John said, Peter, you know who that is? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He's inquired about us. He's concerned about us. He's instructed us. And now, you, and, and you know old Peter, he's the impulsive one. He jumped in there and then he realized out of respect, he, did, he was just there in his underwear. He grabbed his coat and put it on, ran over there. You know, that's Peter. And, the, and, and Hey, Peter, we got the fish. You know, we do have, res- well, you take care of the fish. I got to see Jesus. And they all brought the fish in. And when they got there, guess what? There was a little fire. There was some fish cooking. And bread. where in the world did that come from? Well, maybe Jesus brought it with. There was no little lad there with a lunch this time. Could, could the Creator have just created little bread, little fish, a fire? Can you imagine? And then He says, now bring some of your fish that you caught. And then in verse 12, he said, come and dine. There's an invitation. Warren Wearsby said there are three, Jesus gave three major invitations in the Gospel of John. Now listen to this. Three major invitations. One is in John chapter 1. John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, behold, you better look to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And two disciples, one of them was Peter's brother Andrew. We don't know who the other one was. They looked to Jesus just like John the Baptist told them. By the way, you can follow God's instructions through the Bible 
or through a Sunday school teacher or a preacher who's sharing the Word of God with you, right? And so they listened to John the Baptist and they looked at Jesus and they asked Jesus a question because they wanted to know more about Jesus. They wanted Jesus to manifest himself. And they said, Jesus, where do you dwell? And Jesus gave an invitation. And here it is in John chapter 1. Come and see. Come and see. Come and learn. Come and discern. Wow. (laughs) And then in John chapter 7, Jesus was at a feast, a, a festivity, and he said, hey, if you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, come and drink, come and drink. And he said, he spake of the Holy Spirit. If you'll believe on me, the Holy Spirit will come and live within you and it'll be like rivers of water flowing up inside of you. I'm going to tell you this world is thirsty today and they're trying to satisfy that thirst with everything the devil in this world has to offer and all it does, it may give you a moment of satisfaction, but it leaves you with a deeper thirst and only Jesus can satisfy. Amen. Come and see. Come and drink. And then here in John 21, he said, come and dine. Come and dine. Come and fellowship with me. What an invitation, folks. What an invitation. Now, I've never been with Jesus physically. I've never known what it is to touch his body and eat fish. I've I've sat down with some of you. I've shook your hands. I've drank. By the way, you know what? I found out that you and I can get to know each other so much better down at Cracker Barrel over a glass of iced tea and and a meal. Amen. Then even here, so if you want to invite me, no, 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 you know, and, 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 and that's just life, isn't it? We can come to church together on Sunday morning for 20 years and never really get to know each other and spend 30 minutes together over a cup of coffee. Now, I've never been with Jesus to eat with him, but I'm going to tell you what, I've dined with him a few times in my life. Do you know him? How long's it been since you just got with Jesus? told him you loved him, fellowship with him, and said, Jesus, I'm glad that you've inquired. I'm glad you're concerned about me and my family and the church I have a privilege. I'm glad you, and, 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 and I'm glad you're concerned and you've inquired. And I'm glad you've given us instructions. If we, if we just want to know them and are willing to follow them and trust you, there's your presence, there's your provision, there's your protection. Your peace. Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And I'm glad you've given us invitations to come and dine. By the way, did you know the Bible says this is the third time? Now we know at least, you know, maybe a couple of weeks have gone by. You know, I read that verse, and I'm going to wrap it up now. I read that verse where it says in Acts chapter 1 that for 40 days Jesus showed himself with many infallible proofs. And I've often wondered... Did, did, did Jesus, did these apostles see Jesus every single day? Several times? How many times did they actually see Jesus during that 40 days? And someone had this perspective on it, and I don't know. The best I can do is speculate because the Bible doesn't tell us. It may be that they only saw Jesus occasionally because Jesus was, remember their learning, they're learning, aren't they? They're, they are being taught. And maybe what Jesus was doing was this. I don't want you to see me too often during this 40 days. I want you to see me enough to where you're totally convinced that I'm alive, amen. But I want you to learn to trust me. 
even though you can't see him. As a matter of fact, in the last, next to the last verse of John 20, that's what Jesus said to Thomas. Said, Thomas, blessed are you. You, you, you see my hands, you see my side, but blessed are those that believe who've never seen. And the apostle Peter said the same thing later in his writings. He said, oh, how, he, he, having un, never seen him, never seen him, you believe with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. So maybe one of the things that Jesus was teaching him was, I'm going back to heaven and the Holy Spirit's coming. And I'm trying to get you used to trusting me just as much when you don't see me as you do when you do see me. Now that's where we are today. Amen. Trusting. A spirit of trust. Well, so much could be said, couldn't it? We're learning. We're growing. The Word of God is profitable. If we are willing to acknowledge, we need to learn. If we're willing to come with a humble, sincere, teachable spirit that really wants to learn, to do, that we'll obey. If we'll have an obedient spirit and a trusting spirit and obey His instructions, God said, I'll bless you. Now we understand Jesus told these apostles, I'll make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. And that's a picture of bringing people to Jesus, isn't it? Bringing people to Jesus and then helping each other to grow and learn more about Jesus. And Somebody said our goal in our individually and as a church family ought to be to make as many people as much like Jesus in as short a time as possible. That's get them saved. And get together and do all we can to help people grow and become more like Jesus. And one day when we see Him, we'll be just like Him. Well, you know, the truth is, every portion of God's Word, if the Holy Spirit will open it up to us, we can learn so much from it and we can benefit. But you know what? If we just come and sit and hear it and let it go through one ear and out the other, or pick up my Bible and read it every day, but... Not really let, it's not going to profit me. Sometimes I may be better off not knowing it, amen, if I'm not willing to let God use it to help me and most of all obey it and put it to practice. You know who's, Jesus said, do you know these things? Wonderful. But happy are ye if ye what? Do them. You know who some of the most miserable people are today? May not be unsaved people. It may be Christians who know too much. They know too much to be happy. (laughs) They've learned too much, but they're not putting it to practice. Matter of fact, they may be doing the opposite. But it's a good sign if they're miserable. That's a good sign they may truly be saved. And they're miserable because they know, but they're not doing. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. God, use it to help me and help each one of us from the youngest child to the oldest adult. Oh, God, may you be manifested in our lives. May we know you better. May you be magnified and glorified. Help us to be teachable, obedient. We're disciples. We're gro- Lord, you're fitting us for service on high <laughs> for eternity. Do a work in our heart. Help us to be willing to let you do a work in our hearts and lives. 
we pray in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me just for a brief minute or two? And I'm going to ask our pianist to play. While you're standing, heads are bowed. Will you, will you just right now pray? Pray for yourself. and Pray for the folk around you. There may be somebody here today that needs to be saved. There may be a Christian that will make the right decision right now. There may be a young person here that, that in their heart right now, they may make a decision that will determine their whole life from now on. Oh, please be praying. Pray for yourself. Pray for the folk around you. Pray for your pastor that he'll let God use his word in his heart and life. Can we help you? God works through people. Do you need to be saved today? Do you have a burden on your heart as a child of God? And that's the purpose of the invitation. Right where you stand, make decisions that will count for time and eternity. Say yes to whatever the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart about today. And if we can help you, would you come to the front and just tell me what's on your heart? One of our men will pray with you, one of our ladies, and we'll do all we can to help you with the Word of God. Very quickly, very quickly, come right now. Whether you need to be saved or whatever it may be, would you come right now if we can help you? Would you come? I'm going to ask the pianist to finish this verse, and that'll be all. We can help you. Whether you walk this aisle or not, right where you stand, would you say, oh, Lord, I'm your child. I'm your disciple. Help me to be everything you want me to be. Do what you've called me to do. If you're not saved, reach out to Jesus right now. Come to Jesus. And all the Lord's people said, amen.